can I say? I do like a good Mission Impossible movie. But like it is so often in life, truth is stranger than fiction. We are all in this world on a mission, whether we realise it or not. But the sad reality is a lot of people don't realise it. A.W. Tozer once wrote, One of the greatest tragedies that we find, even in this most enlightened of ages, is the utter failure of millions of men and women ever to discover why they were born. The age-old question, why am I here, sadly for many people, never gets answered. If we believe the Bible and what it says, we were born with a purpose. We have a mission on this earth, a calling, if you like. Today, as we continue the Press In series that we've been doing over recent weeks, we're going to press into your calling. I want to look at this in two parts. First of all, the general and then the specific. Tozer's quote is dealing with the general. One of the greatest tragedies that we find is the utter failure of millions of men and women ever to discover why they were born. We were born on this earth for a purpose. As a Christian, I believe that everyone was created by God and we were created with free choice. In fact, the fact that we all have free choice is the foundation principle of God's creation. He doesn't force us to do anything. He is not a dictator, benevolent or otherwise. He certainly makes it very clear in the Bible how he wants us to act, but he never forces us. You have free choice. The opposite of God is force and coercion. Governments sometimes seek to try and force or coerce us to do or behave a certain way. Like with the COVID-19 restrictions we've had, Governments ask people to keep socially distant and abide by certain rules to protect everyone's health, but it didn't work. And so they had to force us by imposing large fines, which some still didn't learn from that. History is littered with attempts by governments to force or control people, but eventually people rise up against it and exert their will to be free, to exercise their free choice. Where do you think that comes from? The Bible teaches that we were created with it. Of course, you are also free to choose not to believe in God, and some do that. To get a bit philosophical, if we discount the fact of God, then the whole question about our purpose, why we are here, why we were born, as Tozer puts it, becomes null and void. Now, I won't start quoting lots of philosophers or even theologians here, but they do say it, so just look it up for yourself. To follow through with the logic, God creates us and there is a purpose he did it. If we believe that, then we need to discover what that purpose is. We need to find our calling, our mission, and to choose to accept it. If we don't believe in God, and therefore he didn't create us, but we just came along into being, not by intention, but by accident, then logically there is no purpose, no mission, no calling. And so the story ends there. Graphically, it would look like this. If we believe in God, God created, created his people with free choice and we have a purpose and mission. We need to find that and choose to accept that. Or the next slide, if we choose not to believe in God, there is no God, then we came here somehow by some random big bang. People arrived somehow. There is no reason or no purpose or, or nothing behind that. There's no morals, therefore there's no right or wrong. Just do whatever. No mandate for morality. There is nothing after this life on earth. No accountability, no future. So just enjoy it the best you can. And then 
it's all over. This actually was the philosophy of ancient Greece. Eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. For the purposes of today's talk, however, I'm going to assume pathway A, that there is a God, that he did create us, that he created us with free choice and with a purpose. This is what I personally believe is true. I'm not dismissing option B as a choice that people can make. It's just exploring that option is not the purpose of today. Today, I want to specifically choose option A and explore the impact of that choice. Author Rick Warren puts it like this in his book, What on Earth Am I Here For? You cannot arrive at your life's purpose by starting with a focus on yourself. You must begin with God, your creator. You are made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. It is only in God that we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, and our destiny. Every other path leads to a dead end. So if you choose option A, it has an impact, just as choosing option B also has an impact. It's just a different impact. If you choose option A and believe in God, you choose to follow God, then you're also making a choice about how you will live. You're making a choice about morality. You believe that you have a purpose in being born on this planet. It's not just something random. You have a mission and you have a calling. And so this affects the way you will live. It affects the way you treat other people. It impacts every area of your life, all your choices, even the little things. Ah, oh, did you see that? The stupid idiot cut me off. Where'd you get your license from, mate? A wheat fix packet? Some areas though are still a work in progress, unfortunately. God works on us slowly to make us more like who Jesus is. And I, as I'm sure many of you, need Jesus' help with that. When Jesus was here on earth, he showed us how to live. He showed us by what he said and by how he lived. The reason why we are here is simply spelled out by Jesus in Matthew 22. He says in verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. And so in the words of Jesus, our mission, if we choose to accept it, is to love God, love others, love yourself, and of course, always be kind. After Jesus died and was resurrected and went back to heaven, his followers, called disciples, continued on living and teaching these principles that Jesus had taught and showed them. They were persecuted for it, sometimes tortured and killed, just as Jesus himself had been. And so they fled. And as they fled, they spread out through the whole world. And of course, they shared the news about Jesus everywhere they went. They had a mission and they were very, very clear about it. That's how the Christian church began. A key figure in all of this was Paul. He wrote half of the New Testament, which is made up of letters that he wrote to these groups of Christians that popped up all over the world. These groups who were called churches, all met in and around homes. And they were usually comprised of about a dozen or so people, not usually bigger than about 20 in each group. These days, we're limited to only 10 in each group. How interesting. History may be about to be repeated. It is interesting to trace the history. As Christian churches grew over the centuries, became bigger and became more established and more regulated, they also, in some instances, lost their sense of mission and purpose, why they were here. What was their mission? It became clouded. But these early groups, these early churches, were very, very clear about what they were here for. They had a clear mission. They told everyone who would listen that Jesus is God, proved by his death and resurrection back to life. 
They recognized and accepted that each of them had a special calling upon their lives as disciples of Jesus. And they accepted it wholeheartedly at a time when to do so could mean persecution or death. So if you might die for something you believe in, then you want to make sure that you are pretty clear about what it was you were dying for. And they were. Being a disciple of Jesus really meant something. It was their life. As a believer in God and a follower of Jesus, they accepted the mission and mantra taught to them by Jesus to love God, love others, love yourself and always be kind. The Apostle John, the disciple of Jesus who actually lived the longest, writes this in 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, he writes, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Centuries ago, the Shorter Catechism wrote it this way. Question, what is the chief end of man? Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Our overall purpose in this life is to glorify God. That's it. I've redefined our mission and put it simply as our mission is to know God and to love him. And if we love God, we will love others. First John 4 continues on. We love God because God loved us first. The commandment that God has given us is love God and love each other. This is a good way of summing up your purpose or mission if you choose option A and want to follow God. This is the general overarching purpose of why we are born onto this planet. But what does that mean specifically for you and for me? What would that look like if you make that choice to love God and others and always be kind? What specifically will that look like in your life? I love Max Licardo's approach to being equipped to do what God wants us to do. He calls it the sweet spot, using a sporting analogy. Every sporting person knows the sweet spot when everything is going just right and you're in the zone. Max Licardo, in his book, The Cure for the Common Life, writes about this. He says, when God gives you an assignment, he also gives you the skill. So study your skills then to reveal your assignment. To do this, you need to read your life backwards. Look back in your life at the moments when satisfaction intersected with success. Look at the moments you did something you'd love to do and you did it so well that you wanted to do it again. And so did everyone around you. Read your life backwards by reflecting upon your story, your S-T-O-R-Y. And story refers to these five points. The S, first of all, stands for your strengths. It's the verbs. How do you get things done? Answer this question for yourself. What do you love to do? The S, your strengths. The second one, the T, is the topics. These are the nouns. What do you like to work with? And with whom do you like to work? Answer that question for yourself. Uh, the O in story is the optimal conditions or the setting. What triggers motivation? You work best when? Ask this question of yourself. I work best when? The R is the relationships. What is your preferred role? 
leading, following, by yourself, with crowds? Answer the question for yourself. I am best in my role of. And finally, the why in story is your yes. When do you feel God's pleasure in fulfilling your purpose? What gets you excited? What are you passionate about? I'm sure you have all, at some point in your life, felt really excited and felt a great deep satisfaction and fulfillment when you've completed something and you felt good about it and other people have felt good about it. This simple formula applies whether you're looking for your career path in life or whether you are looking for a ministry and to find your calling in how to serve God. It applies to every area of your life. Lucado's slogan, as we discover our story, is this. Use your uniqueness to make a big deal out of God every day of your life. Use your uniqueness to make a big deal out of God every day of your life. Now, if you are new to church today, you may be wondering how this applies to you. You may not be considering how your life can serve God and others. You may not even be sure about God. But the Bible says that God created you. He created you with a purpose. He created you with your gifts, abilities, talents, and passions. He only created one of you. You are unique. There is only one of you. And he's inviting you to bring who you are, what he's put in your hand, and to give it to him so he can add his power to it and see how amazing his plan and purpose for your life can be. You're unique. God only made one of you. And so if we don't get you, we don't get you. So I want to ask each of you this morning, how has God created you? Answer that question for yourself. How has God created me? Maybe today you're struggling with your purpose, your direction, or what you should be doing. Maybe you feel God has given you a calling and a mission, but it's not all opening up for you and you don't understand why. Maybe in this COVID-19 era, you've lost your job and you don't know where to turn next. That can be tough. It can be tough to not know where to turn and where you should go. I've been there. I know what it feels like. And I want to tell you the solution that I found. Maybe the doors keep closing. Just when you think life and your direction is coming clear, wham, another door gets slammed in your face. And we ask ourselves, why? We ask God, why? When our backs are up or against the wall, when the answers are not coming, and when we feel there is nowhere else to turn, we have a choice. And the choice that I discovered was to trust God or not. It's your choice. It was my choice. When I was the end of, at the end of my rope, when I had exhausted all the possibilities, I thought, within my power, I finally chose to trust God and to leave the outcome to him. Choice is the foundation principle of governance for the universe. That and love. God is love. And because he is love, <clears throat> he gives us free choice. When we choose to trust God with our life, with our direction, our job, our career, our relationships, our mission, our calling, and our purpose. I'm not saying that it all suddenly and magically falls into place. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't, at least according to how we think it should. But whatever happens, whatever the outcome, you don't have to fret or worry over it because it's up to God. You have chosen to release the outcome to him. 
He then is freed to bring his purpose and his direction to your life because you've handed it over to him. It's now his responsibility. It's not controlled by us or other people and what they may decide for our lives. In that space, you then become truly free. The outcome of your life, your purpose, your calling and mission is now not up to you. It's up to God. Who better to trust your future to than the all-powerful, all-loving, full of grace and mercy, creator and ruler of the universe? When I discovered that for myself many years ago, I was liberated from a life of trying to control my own destiny to one where I knew that God was in control and guiding me and the outcome was up to him because I had chosen for him to do that. So this morning, I'll leave you with a question. Who are you? What is your story? Who has God created you to be? When you start to answer these questions, you will start to discover your purpose, your mission, your individual calling. I love this verse in Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul writes, It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. God always equips you for your mission. Please bow your heads. Dear God, we thank you for Jesus who came to this earth to show us who you are. We thank you that you are the all-powerful created God that has made us individuals and unique. And you have given us a purpose. You have given us a special calling to be on this earth. You have given us talents and abilities and equipped us to fulfill that purpose and that calling. And this morning I pray for all those listening, that we will dig into that, that we will explore and we will discover your purpose for us and that we will gloriously fulfill it to your honour and glory and for the fulfilment of our lives. Bless each one in Jesus' name we pray. 